So, um, so knowing that Pastor David and Amber are getting ready to do this um, new season on family and on uh, marriage, um, I was just like, oh, hey, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to bring something different or, you know, what? And the Lord really put sort of um, an appetizer message, if you will, to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit on uh, family. I'm not going to focus so much on marriage this morning, but the Lord just gave me this title for my message, which is, Why Family? And so, if you've been coming here with any regularity, you hear this word used a lot. You hear us talk about, we're family, we're doing church as a family, you know, all these sort of terms. And um, if you haven't clued in, I'm going to kind of dissect that discuss that a little bit, talk about what the Bible says about it, what the design of family is, because although it might seem normal, like, oh, man, I mean, all the churches have families in it, and we're all family, right? And to the extent that's true, but there's a mindset and a belief and understanding that's going on that goes far beyond that, especially here at this church. You know, I've, I grew up in church. I've been in church my entire life. I became a believer at seven. Um, but I never truly grasped and understood what it meant to do life together in a family setting. I had a great family and knew so many friends and stuff growing up in church. But it was always, you know, we, we use the term a lot, my church family. And although that's true in the, in the context to help explain, sometimes it separates relationships. Sometimes it kind of says, well, you're in this category over here. I've kind of got my real people over here, and then these are my church people. And, you know, sometimes we get into that mode. This is I do, I come for a certain period of time on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, and I kind of do this unusual thing that's its own thing all by itself in a box, and then I leave it here and then go back to reality, go back to my regular life. The truth is, is we shouldn't be living any sort of double life. We shouldn't be living any sort of lifestyle where I'm this way here, I'm church Jeremy here, and then I'm work Jeremy over here, and I'm friend Jeremy, and I've got all sorts of different Jeremy's. It should be one consistent across the board. If you're fired up and worship here, but you're the quiet person in the cubicle that's not really doing or saying anything at work, something's not lining up correct. We're supposed to be fully and wholly who we are in the Lord wherever we're at. And so I kind of wanted to just share first that the, the family aspect that Pastor David and Amber have established here really transformed me when Lauren and I started coming here five years ago because I knew, I only knew that separation lifestyle. I only knew, well, we, you kind of do your certain thing here and you know, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, you have that, that little face and that smile and everything, and your, your church smile. I got my church smile on, you know. And, uh, and, but the truth is that, that I was so hungry for more. It was so much, I wanted so much more than just 
the church smile, the church handshake, you know, that kind of limp, hey, handshake is just barely there. Um, and I just wanted more. And so I just discovered here what I was looking for, which was family. And I'm going to just start to really describe what that looked like. But for me, what I experienced was first a realness. There's a realness here. You know, to be honest, sometimes it's too real. Sometimes, you know, we are like up in people's business here. And for some of you, you're like, that is so weird. That is so, I am not into that. And, and for me, I grew up, like, value in my home was pol- you got to be polite. You got to be proper. And so getting in people's business was like, no, don't ask them that question. You know, that's none of your business. And I'm like, but when you're in family, it is your business. When the Lord's called us to be leaders, to be, uh, to mentor people's lives, it becomes our business, our kingdom business. Because the Lord's placed me as an associate pastor, I've got a certain authority, but in a more specific level, like with some of these young adults, when they come to me and, and we're and I'm mentoring them, they've given me authority in their life to speak into them. Oftentimes, I ask really explicitly, "Hey, do I have authority to speak to you in this area?" Because unsolicited advice is unheeded advice, and so many times we want to just give out something. Hey, let me tell you what your problem is. But they never asked you for that opinion. And so they're not going to receive it. And so we've got to know as we enter into this family thing, and as you start to speak into people's lives, you need to ask them, hey, do I have permission? Can I speak this into you? And so that was revolutionary for me because now people are speaking into my life with authority. I'm speaking into their life with authority. I'm seeking the voice of the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you have for me to say to them? This is just so different from just, I'm coming. Hey, how's it going? Hear the message. It's fun. Let's go have a nice lunch. What did you think? Oh, it was great. It was nice. And then back to the daily grind. You know, the Lord just really made clear to me that I was designed to be in relationship, that you were designed to be in relationship. We're not meant to be Mr. Hermit in the cave doing my own thing all by myself. We're supposed to be in relationship. The Lord designed romantic relationship, friendship relationship, parental relationship, child relationship. It's so important. You know, even the design of God is family. And often we forget that because we have Father, we have Son, Jesus, and we have Holy Spirit. Even God himself is in three parts, communing with himself. And I know that might sound a little like weird, like I don't really get that communing with yourself thing. How many of you talk to yourself? Uh-huh. In fact, you probably have the most conversations with yourself than anyone else. We're communing with ourselves, right? We're like, I don't know what I think about this. 
mm, I don't know, should I get, you know, this or that for lunch? <laughs> you're, you're wondering, you're thinking, you're, you're constantly processing it. Well, that's just a really simple way I can put that the, the Father is constantly communing with Jesus and communing with the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking and interacting to one another in a family setting together. And so, as we're designed for relationship, and as you're being a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, there's an exchange that takes place. There's a transference of life. Oftentimes, when uh, Prophet Kevin's been here, he's talked about, is, are the things that you're doing transferring life to other people? And when, when I'm in a friendship relationship, or when I'm in the romantic relationship with my wife, there are things that we're doing, things that we're saying to each other that are designed to transfer something. And the question is, where's the source? Where is it coming from? If you are having the Lord in you and through you, renewing your mind, then what the source is, it's Jesus in you, transferring out of you and into someone else. You know, when we are in relationship with someone, we have two choices when we speak. Because the Lord has put a tongue in our mouth, he's put a brain in our mind, and we have an opportunity to speak life or to speak death over a situation. Now, you might feel like that's a little too heavy, like, gosh, it's, those are my two choices? <laughs> you know... It's one of those two. And, uh, you know, I want to, I didn't say this in the first service, but it really popped into my head, especially for young people here. There's a term that's used a whole lot now that's kind of creeped up into the culture, um, which is, you know, are you binary or non binary? Um, and it's used in all sorts of contexts, but it ultimately is discussing a mindset of, do you think it's this way or that way, or are you just open to it really could be anything, okay? And so when you hear people use that term, well, I'm non-binary. Binary means it's a one or it's a zero. And so when you say I'm non-binary, you're basically like, you know, it's not as simple as all that. It could be all these things. And the truth is, is when it comes to us speaking, interacting with each other, it is binary, Either we're speaking life or we're speaking death, okay? And so that means we have to really pay attention to what's going on in our mind. And so I want to explain a little bit about that to you, okay? Um, you know, I, I used this story on the first service, and um, it's a story of a mom, and she's got her, her little daughter with her in the grocery store, and um, and this this person just comes up to him, oh, hi, how's it going? Your daughter's so cute. And she's kind of like hiding behind her leg. And she's like, oh, how cute. She's so shy. And, you know, the truth is, is she was exhibiting shyness in that moment. But what that mom says is she says, actually, my daughter's bold. Actually, my daughter is brave and she is a powerful young lady. And it's hard to get that through our mind because we're, we get so stuck on, on what might be happening in the moment 
that we forget to speak who you're supposed to be, who the Lord sees you to be. And so that mom in that moment, she could have said, oh, you're right. She's just, she's kind of shy. But do you want to speak that over your child? Do you want to speak that over whoever you're in relationship with? It's so easy for us to just grab hold of the physical and what's happening in the moment. But the truth is, is it's time to speak out what the Lord sees, which might not be readily apparent. That's why we need to be in our word. That's why we need to be asking the Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing right now? So that when we see someone and, and they're manifesting or acting up or they're pushing our buttons, instead of just being like, you know, I'm just so tore up at you right now. <laughs> and instead, we're saying, you know, I can see how frustrated and angry you are. But the Lord's got something better for you. We can speak life into people. And let me tell you, it is transformative. Young people, uh, when you've got a bully or you've got someone who's just spewing hate towards you, if you look at them with the eyes of Christ and you start speaking and saying, you know what, you've got a destiny in your life. The Lord has a destiny for you. And you just speak out what the Father is saying about them. I'm telling you, it will shut down the plans of the enemy. And so often we just get caught up. We just get caught up in what is going on around us that we don't stop to listen and hear what the Father is saying. So in relationship, we have an opportunity to speak life or to speak death. I just wanted to encourage you this morning to just really ask the Lord to take an inventory of what's going on relationally in your life. Where are you at? Do you have spiritual moms and fathers speaking into your life? Are you mentoring someone? And now some of you here might say, I don't, I don't feel equipped to mentor anyone. I've got to do a lot of cleanup first. Let me tell you something. I'm not asking you to like, you know, transform the world here. Start small. There's someone that's further back in the process than you that needs what you have. And, you, and don't be in a defeatist mode. Speak life over yourself and say, you know what? I have something to give. I have something of value that the Lord's placed inside me, and I'm going to pass it on. Because, you know, this is a step by step process. You're learning, you're growing. Other people are learning and growing. And there are so many people, and I know so many of you out here, you're wondering who's going to mentor me? Who's going to be that person speaking into my life? Well, let me tell you the fast track is for you to look for that person behind you. Because all, then what's going to happen is that you, you're waiting, and the person that's in front of you spiritually is going to say, I'm going to look for that person. And, and it's not a hierarchical thing. Don't get stuck up. It's not this thing of, well, you know, you're, I can tell you're, you don't read your Bible as much as I do. So um, uh, it's not like that. It's just knowing, you know, look, we all have different ages. Spiritually, we're all in different spots. Let's just be humble about it. Let's just be humble and say, wow, the Lord's done something in me. The Lord's done a work in me. 
You know, if I was all like, well, it's all you, Lord. None of of me. I'm shrinked down. It's all you. I, I don't really have anything to give. Then everything that the Lord's placed into me is just going to spill out onto the ground. It's going to be like a overflowing cup that all that water just sort of spills out and doesn't go anywhere. So I wanted to kind of move into some word here. Um, get Luke chapter 15 ready, um, because there's a story in the, in the Bible, a parable. I love parables, by the way. I, and I, I want to encourage you, if you're new in reading the Word, or maybe you've grown up reading the Word like me, but you, you're looking for a freshness in it, you're trying to kind of really dive deep and dig deep, I want to encourage you, everything I'm uh, going to be reading about and talking about this morning is Jesus speaking. And I want to encourage you to seek out the red letters. If you don't have a red letter Bible, that's okay, but it's sort of, it just means any, the red letters would show up anytime Jesus was speaking. And the point of that is, is Jesus came down not just to die on a cross, not just to wash away our sins and to rise on the, on the third day, but also to live a human life that's an example so that we can't say, well, you don't know what I've been through. We can't say that. We can't say, Lord, I'm struggling over here. You're up in the heavenlies. You don't know what I'm doing. He says, uh, actually, I do. I came down, and for 33 years, I lived a human life as a human. And so he speaks in parables. And so I'm going to be talking about the prodigal son this morning, okay? It starts in Luke 15, and when the Lord first gave me this, I was like, what does this have to do with the family? I didn't get it. I was like, because I'd always heard this, um, this story set in the context of redemption. It's a redemption story. The son leaves, and, and he comes back, and the father embraces him, and it's a, oh, it's so nice. It feels so nice doesn't it? Um, And though those things are there, and that very much is a theme that we're going to hit on, this is about a family trying to make it work, and it's not working out so well, okay? And so we begin at the beginning with, and and, and there are three, three major characters in this story. We've got the father in the story, We've got the youngest son, and we've got the oldest son. And so the youngest son, it, it starts right away. The youngest son at the beginning of this story, uh, at the, starting in verse 11, says in, uh, in so many words, I'm going to be paraphrasing, I'm not going to be reading a lot, but they're going to kind of follow along with me. Um, he basically says, Dad, it's been real, but... I'd like my inheritance now, please. Now, let me just give you a little background because there's a lot in that statement. When do we receive uh, the inheritance of our parents? When they die. Okay? So, essentially, this younger son is saying, you know what? Can you just be dead already? Because I'm ready for my part of the inheritance right now. I mean, it probably could not, it doesn't necessarily read it like this, but if you understand 
a Jewish mindset and an understanding of inheritance, uh, especially coming from the youngest son in, in, a, in the, the Jewish tradition, the older son would receive the, the majority of the inheritance, and he'd have the majority of the authority. He'd get the blessing, and the youngest son would just have a small portion. And so he's coming with, without that authority and all that and saying, look, I, and it wasn't like he whipped open his wallet and said, okay, let's see here. Uh, all right, uh, here's uh, $500. See you later. He had to take assets. He had to take land and things that were of value. It probably disrupted his business to sell things off to give to his son. And even though his son showed such disrespect in that moment, what did the father do? Let's just kind of go further down. Um, the uh, father uh, went ahead. He distributed among the two sons their inheritance because you can't just give, give the first son his and wait later. So he's dividing it all up. And so he distributed among the sons their inheritance Shortly afterwards, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. You know, what we see here is a son who is sure that what's going on at home is not as good as what could be out there. And there's a lot of different stuff going on here, and I don't want to add to what's here, but I want to take a moment because oftentimes there's a message and then there's something that's supposed to spark other things going on in our mind. And I would, I would put to you, what kind of environment is going on in your home? Are you cultivating a spirit of joy? Are you cultivating a fathering spirit in your home? Are, are your children or your family members excited to be home? Or, or is there something else going on? Clearly in this story, you've got this son who's discontent, who isn't happy with what's happening in the home and is looking elsewhere. And to be honest, we can do all the right things. We can follow everything the Lord says, and this can still result in the home. And so I, I want to tell you, too, if you're walking in uprightness with the Lord, especially parents, with older kids that maybe have fallen away from the Lord or are kind of off doing their own thing, I want to encourage you that it's not on you. If, if you have been following the leading of the Lord, if you've been honoring towards Him and have been imparting that to your children, there are still people who have a choice. And ultimately, we are individually judged by the Lord. And so what happens is this son says, give me my money, wish you were dead, peace out. And uh, in a few verses, that's basically what he says. Then he hits the road because he's sure there must be something better out there. And he gets out into the world and he seeks the very thing that he left behind. He just doesn't know it because he tries to buy new family. On his terms, he starts partying. Like it says, he starts partying and getting wild. And the truth is, is because he separated himself from the family. 
because he left behind the family and rebelled, yes. He has to buy back on his own what he left behind that was being freely given. You know, the truth of the matter is that probably if he had not done this and he had waited, I'm almost sure of it, although this is a parable, so it's only so deep you can go, but the lands would have matured more. The, they would have grown in wealth. He cashed out early, and so his inheritance was a lot smaller than it probably ultimately would have been. And so what happened is when we separate ourselves from the family, we turn, this debauchery comes in, this erosion of the mind, because we've left behind the thing that's reflecting the Lord. And so he gets this wild living, and he's doing his own thing, buying the friends for a little while, moves far away. You know, meanwhile, I, I kind of wondered to myself, I'm like, what's the father doing in this period of time? What's he up to? And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what was the, what was the father in this parable up to uh, while the son moved away? Because back then, you know, you don't know cell phones, no email. It's not, he's not like, well, I'll just log on to his social media and see what, oh man, he's partying. I can see that. Why would you post that, son? You know, <laughs> none of that's going on. So he doesn't know what's happening. And he's moved out of country. So all of his, probably his regional contacts, his farmers and people that he hires that he would have kind of keep an eye out, he doesn't know. As far as he knows, his son's dead. Doesn't know what's happened to him. For years, he's gone. Well, this only works for so long. And then what happens is he runs out of money and bye-bye friends that he thought he, uh, uh, he had established, the family that he established says, no money ain't my problem anymore. And he hits the road. And so he gets so desperate that he pleads, the, the scriptures say that he pleads with a farmer, that's right, he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs, and he gets so desperate that he starts to eat the slop that the pigs eat, and uh, let me tell you, kind of going back to the fact that he's speaking to, to Jews and uh, to people that would have this sort of a mindset, the pig is the most unclean thing on the planet. No pork, well, they don't eat no pork, no bacon. You're doing this, no bacon. Help me, Jesus, yes. Um, uh, so uh, he's eating with the most unclean animal out there. And he gets to this point of revelation where he's like, I'm at my lowest point. I can't get any. I literally, I don't think he, there's a, a way to get lower than that in the Jewish culture. And he remembers something. He remembers his father. Now let me just pause there for a second. 
is I want to go back to, I want to encourage parents to have kids that are in rebellion right now or older adult kids that are away. Let me tell you something. I want to encourage you, stay steadfast. Be that lighthouse in the spirit that is continuing to just reflect like a light going around. I'm here. The Father's here. Because that's what happened in this moment, is the, the youngest son is in the midst of this mess, and he's like, but my father. And he said, now he's, he's thinking, you know, I've messed up way too bad. There's no way I can be restored fully. But my father's servants, they eat really well. He says, my father takes good care of those that work for him. He says, I'll go, surely he'll let me work for him. I can get, I can become a worker. I can be a servant in the house of my father. And so he starts to head back. And then the scriptures show that the father sees him off in the distance in his nasty clothes. Can you imagine how horrible he smelled? In, in his, you know, beggar's clothes with the pig slop and all that. I can tell you, if he's eating the pig slop, he ain't got no shower access. And, uh, but what a beautiful picture, too, because the, the, the scriptures say he saw him off in the distance. I bet that he, that the father was in continuous prayer and intercession ever since he left, waiting and hoping that he is alive and that he'll come home one day. And that he's got um, shepherds in the field that part of their job when he sends them out is he said, could you keep an eye out for my son when he returns? And if you see him, tell me the second you see him. I want to know. And so he's waiting patiently. And that's what the Father's doing for each one of us. He's waiting so patiently. This is real family, what family looks like. Is he's waiting and anticipating the day, one day, he's going to turn around. And that's what the Father's heart is for each and every one of us. Is there are things in our lives that we've held on to that aren't of the Lord. And he's saying, I'm right here. When are you going to give that up? When are you going to let that go? Because, look, I'm ready to take you back. I'm ready to just have you as you are. He's not to say, hit the showers first. Get yourself all cleaned up first. The father runs to him. Sees him in the distance. And immediately... You know, the, the stuff that he's covered in really is shame. It's physically manifests as pig slop and as, as this, these beggar's robe, but he's clothed in shame. So what does the father do? He gets his best robe out, sweeps him up in his arms, puts his best robe on him, and says, I'm going to exchange your rags for a priestly garment. 
I'm going to put my finest robe on you because that's how I see you. And then he puts the family ring on his finger, showing him that he's fully restored, that his authority, that his status as a son has been fully restored. You know what's crazy is it wasn't like the son showed up and it, the, the story doesn't say, and the son dropped to his knees and groveled for 10 minutes and begged. And the father said, well, okay. It wasn't like that. He's the, all he had to do was start walking in the direction of the Lord. All, from a far distance, the Lord was watching. And so we start to walk. And he's like, that's all it takes. I'm ready to grab hold of you. I'm ready to put that tunic on you. I'm ready to put the family ring back on you. And that's how the father sees us, and that's how the father saw his son in this story. And so what comes next? What's the big thing that comes next once he receives him? He puts the robe on, he puts the ring. He said, let's celebrate. He said, my son who was dead is now alive. Let's celebrate, and that's what happens when we turn back to the Lord, when we say, I want back in the family. Let me back in the family. The Lord says, come on, let's have a party. And so I want to encourage each of you this morning that that's how the Father sees you. That's how the Father sees me. He wants us to come back into family. He wants to take us as we are, and then he wants to celebrate. And so I want to encourage you to just focus in on the Lord, and he wants to celebrate. And there's one more very important point that we don't want to miss. What about the brother? What about the older brother? Oh, man. Because as many of you might identify with the younger son, there's also the older brother who at the time that the son comes home, he's, the Bible says he's out working in the field. He's out working in the field, okay? And he comes in from working hard, and he's, he sees a celebration going on. He's like, what in the world is going on here? He's asking some of the other servants. And they're like, you haven't heard? Your brother is home, and your father is throwing a party. He's killed the fatted calf, which is basically like he cashed in his most expensive Mercedes to fund this giant party. That's what that's saying in Bible, you know, in old school language there, okay? Is he cashed it in is like, let's have a party. And the, the older brother is mad. He's not, he's like, I'm not coming into that party and let me tell you what's going on there. You know, it's not a coincidence in the story that they specific that Jesus specifically notes that the that the older son was out working in the field, and that he goes and asks servants what's going on. He didn't come straight to his dad and say, "Hey, dad, what's what's with the party?" Because there's two prodigal sons in this story, because the older son never truly saw himself as that. He never truly saw himself as a son. He saw himself as 
a worker, as a servant in the kingdom, in his father's house. And so that's what happens. He's out working. He comes in. He's speaking to the servants, to the other people that he views himself like. And so, and then he starts a wine fest. And I'm not talking the drink. He, he's like, Dad, you never even gave me but a goat to kill for me and my friends to have a party. You didn't even give me a junky little goat to, to, to kill and have a party. And you're killing the fatted calf for, for your rebellious younger son? And the father's response is he's like, you've always had full access you, I would have killed the fatted calf in a second if you asked it. But he never asked it because he never saw himself deserving. He never said, I can have access to that, even though it was fully given. And so I want to encourage you, whatever part of the family you see yourself, the father, the young son, the older brother, that the Lord's calling you back to the family. Let's stand.